Okay. Hey guys, Summer here. I have a real quick announcement for you before we get on with the show. A lot of you have been asking and super interested for a while in doing a Sheologians book club. So I decided that while Joy is on her cute little maternity leave, having her cute little baby that she kind of halfway named after me, that we would do a book club together. Um, so if you, here's, here's the thing that you're not allowed to be mad about. The only way I can do this well and do it for you guys so that we have a close-knit community where I can actually see you and respond to you and people who aren't involved don't get to stick their nose in our business is if we do this through Patreon. So I'm not trying to make money off of you. However, I do need a way to run the book club. So if you go to patreon.com slash sheologians for five bucks a month, you can be a part of the book club. I know some of you are going to be bummed by this, but the great news is if you don't like the book club, you can just unsign up. However, here's my plan. Uh, once or twice a week, I'm going to do a live video where you guys can hang out with me. We're going to talk about what we're reading. Um, you guys can talk to each other about what we're reading, and we're going to have a lot of interaction there. Uh, we're going to go through a book a month for starting at the beginning of September. So September, October, November, we are going to be reading together, me and you, you and me. I don't know how the rest of the song goes. Anyway, so if you're interested in the book club, that's where we're going to be. Go ahead and sign up, head over there, find out what we're reading, and I'll see you there. On with the show. Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Six pounds, pounds. Wherever you are, welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We are here today to put the she. I can't do it. I just, I think I've reached my limit, actually. I spent all that time trying to remember what the topic was <laughs> so that I could be like, okay, how does the she fit in there? And then I was like, oh, I actually, I don't know. I don't know how she's going to fit this one in there. It would just sound actually like actually like, actually actually it's I think it would sound like I'm cursing at you so I don't want to say it <laughs> <laughs> like I just don't think that's how that should go so we're here today to put the she in actually to put the she in actually and Joy came up with that one just right here on the spot what is something on the table vibrating yeah Matthew's calling me oh <laughs> Hey, Matthew. That means he's probably off work. Right. That means he's going to show up any minute now and throw a sandwich at both of us. <laughs> yeah. That's what he did last time. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> hi. My name is Summer Yeager, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And um, Joy, uh, something was bothering me today, and I actually meant to get your opinion on it. So now that we're recording is obviously the time okay. to get your opinion on it. Um, also, there is a her and bothering. I'm just going to say. <laughs> You're just full of them today. I'm just catching them. I'm it's apparently, you know, like sometimes now. Sometimes I sit down at the end of the day and I go, yeah, I don't know how I did anything today. <laughs> I don't know how I uh-huh. got anything done. Mm-hmm. And then, but when it comes to recognize a she, recognizing a she hers. and a her and a word, whether it, it exists or not. You're on it. 
you're doing things. Yep. Um, you know the water bottles like this one right here that says that it has a certain pH level and it's uh-huh. full of electrolytes and minerals. Yeah. Um, do you think that really matters? It does. Okay. Um, I think I don't know as much about the science as I could. Okay. So to me, it seems, I I think the reason they, so it does matter. Okay. But why? But I think primarily why they put it on there is for like marketing. It worked obviously because I bought it. it. Right. I mean, well, you, so you need, you need electrolytes and minerals to absorb other nutrients and to use water. So, like, okay. if you have no electrolytes or minerals in your diet, you could drink water all day and, like, you're not matter. really going to be getting hy- super hydrated from it. Okay. So, um. So, it matters. Yeah. Because as I was buying it, I thought, maybe I'm just, I'm buying into the hype of electrolytes yeah. and pH balances. No. <laughs> it's a real thing. Yeah. I do think some people are more hyped on it than others. Okay. pH balance also, like, there's like a certain pH balance that makes water really like better for you. Okay. There's also pH levels that make water better for cleaning stuff. Okay. Some people, I have heard it said that there are hospitals in Japan that don't use cleaning solution. They just use like certain pH water because it has properties that will kill well, I'm always going to drink this then. Yeah. But also it tickled me because it says 7.4 pH and then it has a little asterisk. And at the bottom it says with the asterisk approximately 7.4 pH. <laughs> Someone, that's for those of us that Y'all taste think it, it and they're like, it? they're like, mm. no, that's like a seven. It's not <laughs> 7.4. Liars. Liars. All of you. It's your turn. I know. It's hard though. Um, my brain isn't firing on all cylinders anymore. I don't have any thoughts anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why don't you tell our listeners about, um, I mean, like, I don't have a lot of thoughts because, well, so sometimes I'm like on top of things. Yes. Right now I'm really tired and there are certain things that are harder to be like I can sit and do emails. I can mm-hmm. book whatever I need. I can mm-hmm. do reform con planning, mm-hmm. come to reform con in October, ReformCon.org. That is all the information I'm giving say, you. Hey, tell them about reform con. <laughs> um, you did it. But, uh, then there's stuff that like talking and forming thoughts off the cuff. Like, I don't even remember what I said in the last ones that we recorded. I don't know what I'm saying right now. What did you ask me? It was all amazing. Okay. Um, but I'm excited to have a kid. <laughs> I know. Because that's why I'm feeling a little bit. Weird. Yeah. And off. Well, and yeah, you just get, it's totally, like, it's not an excuse. Um, you, ju- Your brain just does weird. I do all kinds of weird things that I never, ever mm-hmm. have ever done. Mm-hmm. Like leaving the sink on. Mm-hmm. leaving the fridge door wide open. Oh, yeah. Um, just weird. You're like a little kid again. Yeah, just weird <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm like 30, I'm almost 35 weeks pregnant, whatever that means, because technically when you're hearing this, I might be not pregnant anymore. Who knows? I think, you know, it's funny is we couldn't remember if we've explained to people that we're like 
working ahead so we can keep putting out content even right. after you have a baby. Um, I think we've explained it so many times and they're probably, they probably think we're ridiculous because I was flipping through an older episode. Oh, do we explain it a lot? We explain it a lot and we don't remember. That's a bad Sorry, sign. guys. It's just a bad sign. Whatever. I hope you guys are enjoying the book club. Well, I'm now <laughs> it's been a long time, I know, since I've given you a mile marker, a week marker. Yeah. But it really means nothing, ultimately. Because, <laughs> but I was having, we were having this conversation today where I was like, there are probably some listeners that are like, so has Joy been pregnant for like <laughs> 12, 12 months? months? <laughs> like, what's happening? <laughs> and people be like, you'll listen to an episode of Sheologians and then yeah. you'll see a picture on Facebook of right. Georgia and you'll be like, how did she record that? <laughs> no, Joy is going to take three advance. months off and we're super excited for her. And I'm going to be doing stuff with our Patreon supporters over on Patreon. And so. hopefully we won't have to like skip out on content for you guys. Right. We always figured there would come a moment. There will come an, an occasion or a circumstance mm-hmm. Where we will probably have to miss mm-hmm. a week. A week. But, but we so far we yet. have not done that. I know. And I'm super excited about it. And um, so anyway, all of that to say, um, I brought up this topic to Joy and it's something that I hope when you guys like read the description and whatever, you're not like, oh, this is, this is, what is this? This is too much. I know I've gotten that response before. Um, I think it is super important that you guys know, our listener, our listeners, you specifically, know what something called standpoint epistemology is. And I want you to know what it is, and I think it's important. And so we're just going to take a minute here to talk about it and hopefully help you understand what it is and, and then tell you how it applies and why it matters. And I don't want you, you are not allowed to be overwhelmed. Don't be overwhelmed. Well, if it makes you guys feel better, we talk about epistemology all the time. Yes. It's basically just like epistemology is basically just how do you know what you know? Right. How do you know what what's true or yeah. Yes. Um so you already know that. You already know what that is. You you know what it is. I know There's it's a different big word. types. Yeah. Standpoint is you'll hear why we would particularly yes. think this one is yes, important for you to know. So um, I'm going to play a clip for you real quick where someone smarter than us and, and I actually, I, I don't just, know why we don't do this more often. I know. We're always like, we have to explain. Why not <laughs> no. just, I'm going to let someone explain. <laughs> this is James Lindsay from a video he did with sovereign nations and Peter Bagation. And I'll leave the link for you guys. Um, where he's talking about, um, he, d- he defines very simply what standpoint epistemology is. And it, like I said, it's important for you guys to understand and to know, and you're already dealing with it. Whether or not you realize it, you're already dealing with it. Right. So just let's take a breath. Here we go. It is like a conspiracy theory with no conspirators. It's that society, each cultural group within society has its own use of language, its own means of producing knowledge. Mm-hmm and that's only valid within that construct. So if you want to appeal to logic, to evidence, to history, to whatever, they can say, well, we have a different logic reason and so on. You exclude emotion is a huge one. You exclude emotion from being a pathway to legitimate knowledge. In 
and that creates several problems. Among the problems it creates are, and this is what I would have asked Thaddeus Russell at the debate, so when the Klan comes to put a cross on your black neighbor's lawn and light it ablaze, are you just saying, well, you know, that's their truth, that's just their story that they have, and I have my story, and you have your story, and well, I, so, I mean, it, I would be morally horrified. That's why I yelled out for the audience, answer the question, because I knew for a fact the moment that Hicks asked the question, it would just be obfuscation. It would be anything but an honest, straightforward answer to the question, because that's almost what he has to do to maintain a position that's inherently indefensible. But right. even beyond that, when you start thinking about what that means, absent the, if, if it's possible to bracket the moral horrors, it's just practical, it's impossible to bracket the, the, the physical horror show. And what if you have a dental pain? What if you have tooth pain? What are you gonna do? Go to the, are you gonna go to the witch doctor who's gonna sing a rain dance? I mean, the whole system is set up so that, that actually underscores the question, is this just verbal behavior? Do people actually believe this? Or do they just give it lip service? Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and I, I think that what you can see in, in some of the things that you've just stated are evident within uh, New Testament scholarship right now at the conservative evangelical reform level. Mm -hmm. To actually derive of the truth, you must go through the different standpoint epistemologies because they might have the real truth as opposed to an objective truth. Right, so let me talk about standpoint epistemology, giving it kind of an analogy so people can understand it because it's a really counterintuitive idea for a lot of people. So standpoint epistemology, to speak kind of philosophically and broadly without the analogy, is this idea that how you are situated in society, meaning how you are situated as an as a identity, and how that identity is related to power in society as written by theory in terms of how power works dictates what you can and cannot know. A good way to understand standpoint epistemology is to think of it kind of like color blindness that's caused by having a various identity group privilege. Okay? This is really important, so stick with it. Mm -hmm. This is a good breakdown. Here we go. So if the idea is that if you are in the dominant group, you live in a world from the perspective of the dominant, in a dominant world, so you have one perspective, the dominant perspective. If you are a marginalized group, you have the marginalized perspective while living in the dominant world, so you also have the dominant perspective as well as a marginalized perspective, suggesting you have information, which is the experience of oppression in this system that other people don't have. This has a degree of, of sense to it. There is something to this, and it, it behooves us to listen to things that have been marginalized and excluded, but listening is not the same as believing. Hear out, investigate, that's a different thing from listen and believe. Shut up, listen and believe is even further down that path. So you can think of it like colorblindness. If you happen to be the intersection of all the dominant things, the most dominant things, white, straight, male, western, able-bodied, thin, fit, whatever they happen to be, then it's like you can only see in grayscale. You see the world, everything's in the colors that you live in. You have only grayscale vision. Everything's in black and white. But then say that you're a woman instead. That's like being able to pick up red. Right. So now you can see more of the world. And we can look at this building. We can say, 
oh, those bricks are very organized and well, nice and blah, blah, blah. But if we had a person who can see red, you say, oh, it's red brick. But we couldn't possibly know that without somebody to tell us. How do we know it's not blue or green? Or what are those, what do those words even mean if we actually can only see them grayscale? Now suppose it's a black woman. An intersected identity, this is intersectionality and how it uses standpoint epistemology to justify why people of marginalized identities have special status that have to be listened to and believed. Now it's like adding in green, so the person can see red and green. Add in like disability status or a sexual minority, now they can see in shades of blue as well. You can add in, you know, we're going to start running out of colors, but you can just continue to add more dimensions, like they can see an ultraviolet, they can see an infrared too. You can add more and more layers of depth that you get the more intersected identities you have. And standpoint to epistemology is the idea that it is possible, that, that the people who have more experiences of marginalization therefore have more access to see the world and understand the world and access truth that people who live with dominance simply cannot possibly understand. And the belief is such that this is so pernicious and so total, in the same sense that the same total as you see in total depravity, uh, totalizing you know, over everything, infecting every part of your being, privilege infects every part of your being, that you can't possibly understand the experience of somebody who can see in a different color than you can, just as if you were truly colorblind and have no idea like they say that there's some people who are so-called tetrachromats who can detect a fourth basic color. Uh, very few, very, very rare. They're all women for various biological... Okay. I think you get the point. You get the point. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is not something new for us to discuss, but I think it's important because I'm, I'm seeing this more and more. Are you? Would you say you're seeing it more and more? <laughs> yes, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. So standpoint epistemology is just is the idea that depending on your identity, you come to truth through the group that you are in. So like he was explaining, if and we, we were talking about this years ago when we were saying an, an intersectionality does use standpoint epistemology to essentially imbue a kind of perception of the world that the less marginalized can't have and that's what he was just explaining that the more dominant you are the less colors you can see through right so right. the less access you have to to truth mm -hmm. and um that did that you this isn't my this is your first time listening to this this is not my first time so i've had yeah. time to think through it but you caught no i think that was a great explanation right of it right that's a great with the colors like adding the colors in right so yeah you have because i've always said it and it's basically the same but i've always said you become more actualized mm -hmm. like you're 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 able to see things yeah. from an even more human perspective because you have access to to knowledge yeah to being marginalized don't. or abused mm -hmm. in some way that gives you this like special insight into the world mm -hmm. um right you know right and I think what we have to say as as Christians is a few things. Um, number one, when he said there is something to this, we can agree with that. The guy, the guy you heard speaking is not a Christian. Yeah. Um, but from a Christian worldview, we can agree with what he said. There is something to the idea that 
who you are and where you grow up and things like that. Like I, I truly don't understand the life of a, you know, of a 13 year old girl growing up in India, say in a, in a lot yeah. of, in a lot of ways. Right. I don't understand. I didn't grow up in India. I didn't wear those clothes. I didn't eat that food. I didn't deal with whatever the typical problems are for right. a girl growing up in India. Um, but the question for Christians is, does having a certain gender or skin color or problem give you more or less access to the truth? Is that a Christian thought? Obviously, the answer is no. No. <laughs> um, obviously, the answer to that is no. And should it should be a a very clear and resounding no. Sorry about my phone. <laughs> that was me, you guys, just in case you thought your phone just rang. Um, <laughs> but um, the reason for that is that we don't believe truth exists inside of us. Truth exists outside of us. Yes. We have what's called a revelational epistemology. That's right. right. That's absolutely right. <laughs> Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Right. Right. He is the truth. And which has been revealed to us through, through scripture. scripture. And through creation. Yes. Romans 1, so that no one is without excuse. So, um you do not have more access or less access to truth because of what identity group you're from. And if you believe that, you're believing something that's antithetical to scripture. You cannot find that anywhere in scripture. You're going to find the opposite of that. You're going to find that truth claims are made on the foundation of God and who he is and what he has revealed. And we know the truth by knowing Jesus. So, since knowing Jesus, since the gospel is for all tribes, tongues, and nations, there is no foundation upon which we can look to ourselves for our understanding of truth. And if you do so, you're accepting a form of self-worship um, that I think is absolutely repudiated by scripture. But you're going to hear this all the time. You're going to hear this from Christians You're going to hear this from the world. You're going to hear that because you don't belong to a certain group or because you do belong to a certain group, that you understand things that other people simply cannot. Now, the something to that is the idea that more or less, uh, let's say you've gone through an experience. Let's say, I, I I don't have a good example off the top of my head. Let's say you've gone through an experience and then you find someone else has gone through the same experience. And then you guys talk about that shared mm-hmm. experience. As a Christian, if I've gone through a bad experience and the only other people I'm willing to talk to about my bad experience are people who've had that bad experience, I'm essentially saying someone else having this bad experience imbues them with more wisdom and perspective than anyone else. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is that in scripture, we're constantly pointed to scripture right well because well it's a very it's it almost seems like there is a negative truth in there it's a little bit misleading because yes you'd say that someone who had experienced this thing Mm -hmm. they're going to know more Mm -hmm. about it Mm -hmm. 
but if it's not if that bad experience is not responded to in a faithful scriptural way mm-hmm. then it's foolishness that's right it's nothing it's nothing <laughs> it doesn't matter so it is it's wrong the closest you could get to describing that as wisdom would be just total earthly mm-hmm. wisdom it's just total humanist wisdom that's right and and that's not if we if you even think mm-hmm. that knowing something from scripture from god mm-hmm. is on the same level mm-hmm. as knowing something from a human standpoint that's right you ha- epistemology is a word that you should actually <laughs> you think those two things are on the same level you you should um get to know that word mm-hmm. a little bit better mm-hmm. because it's important it's at the foundation mm-hmm. of everything and this is yeah. the part that you've heard us talk about a million times it's the study of knowledge it's how you know what you know what you know mm-hmm. and so you can i mean a person who's 60 years old mm-hmm. that's been an enemy of god and a fool their whole life mm-hmm. cannot be equally right as, like they just because they have more experience mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. buying homes and reading and education and mm-hmm. abuses and interpersonal relationships. more life experience. So yes, they are going to know certain things about life. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying like there are, we're talking about in a way we're talking about different kinds of wisdom here. Mm-hmm. But if their response mm-hmm. to it is anti-scriptural, mm-hmm. it's chaff. Mm-hmm. that's right <laughs> it's like right it's blown away in a in a it is it is wisdom that exists here on mm-hmm. this earth right for a millisecond right it's nothing right <laughs> ultimately it's the idea of my truth versus your truth right which we've talked about all the time it, it is a garbage idea my truth versus your truth doesn't matter right all that matters is what does god say what has god said and what is true because truth exists outside of you. Yeah. It's not the denial that you and I will have different experiences in life. Of course, we're going to have different experiences in life. Yeah. But this is a and total. And those things will make us different people. Yes. But but we are all called to the same standard. And it doesn't yeah. matter what your experience in life is. We're called to the same standard. We're called to the same love, to the same faithfulness, to the same obedience, to the same responses scripture transcends all of these identity groups it doesn't matter what identity group you're in you don't have special access to the truth and if you believe that just so you know like that's anathema the idea that you 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 your skin color your group your whatever is is has more access to god than another group based on your Skin color, gender, whatever. Sexuality. Is anathema to scripture. It's just garbage. Mm -hmm. You You don't get to claim special status before the Lord because of what skin color you have or because of what experiences you've had. I realize that in the body of Christ, there's all kinds of different levels of wisdom and experience and all of that. But the point is, is that before the cross, you don't have the special access you have at the cross is granted to you through the blood of yeah, Christ. It's not you. It's not, not about you. how many colors you can see. That's right. In the coloring book that is life. That's right. <laughs> you can uh, godless people 
who can see all the colors of the rainbow mm-hmm. will stand before God. Well, I say stand, but what I actually mean is they will fall mm-hmm. on their faces before mm-hmm. God. And That's it right. won't, it won't, That's right. you won't even, you won't even proudly, you won't, like you won't even be able to proudly say, well, I'm of this group or this that's right. origin or this sexuality or this that's right. like there will be it just won't go that way that's right it can't it's not something that you can ultimately stand on in any meaningful way that's right it's super important that that we understand that and that the reason why i would take the time like we would play that large clip and all of that is because it's important that when you come across standpoint epistemology that you recognize it for what it is so that you can reject it because rejecting this, this way of thinking is the biblical way to think and accepting this way of thinking is an unbiblical way to think. So it super matters. Agreed. That's it. That's, that's what I had to say about that. <laughs> what should we? How I mean, should we, we could go through more different types of epistemology in other episodes. We There's could. a lot of them, but mm-hmm. standpoint. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure that some people act like sometimes it's actually referred to as like feminist standpoint theory. <laughs> uh huh. So it's definitely you can see why we would want right. to talk about why it we on would, this show. <laughs> why we would chat about that. <laughs> I mean, I think anyone who just listened to the clip. Mm-hmm. gets absolutely gets why our show would be why we'd be talking yeah. about it mm-hmm. you guys know how we are we, we didn't and talk. we didn't just spring it on you right you guys knew. <laughs> okay well do, you, do we have a fun question or are we just oh i was gonna ask you a question oh okay sweet let's do it if you found four million dollars in the forest would you keep it in the forest is it buried underneath a dead body? It's near a dead body. Oh. Um, I would look for identification. Okay. To attempt to locate the person's family. Okay. Um, and I would want to keep it, but I don't think my conscience would let me. I think right. I would find the authorities and report what I found. Yeah. That was also my answer. <sighs> I would want to, I would really want to keep it. I would really it. want to keep it. But see, the thing is, even if somehow you could convince yourself that it wasn't stealing. It's totally stealing. <laughs> well, even to spend that money, you'd have to break the law. You'd right. have to find some way to launder it and yeah. um, like yeah. have it in your possession yeah. illegal, like legally because the government, not that I'm a fan of the IRS, but. Right. Um, right. They still do want to mm-hmm. know where you get $4 million from. Yeah, they're going to ask questions. <laughs> they're going to be like, um, oh, you just all of a sudden have all that. of a sudden have that money. <laughs> I have thought about like, what would I do if I had $2 million or $4 million? Uh-huh. Like how? And obviously, um, I am not a accountant or a financial advisor, and I would need to get one of those. Mm-hmm. But my first thought would be I would just take half of it and give it to my church. Like okay. Just half of it. Yeah. Here you go. Just before anything. Just before any. If before you even get used to having four million. Yeah. Just I would two just million. Cut a check and be like, I need you to take this. Please deal with right it away. faithfully. Yeah. I'm a member, so I trust that you're faithful with money. Anyway, here you go. 
Um, and then I would buy a house to live in, to plan to die in. Yeah. Like house. Your thousand year house my, for your kids to yeah. inherit. And I wouldn't be like super fancy or anything, but it would be a nice, hopefully safe place. Mm-hmm. That would be my desire. Um, and then you'd buy a whale. And then I would buy SeaWorld. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would definitely go on vacation. I don't remember the last time I went on a vacation. <laughs> um, and... And I would try to find a way to just like save for the kids and for the rest of our lives. Maybe go and, to someone who's smart that uh, knows how to invest yeah. and like. But is that it? Shouldn't that have been that? Should have been. Oh, a class. I would buy. I would buy my dream car, which is a Nissan Maxima. <laughs> <laughs> That's why is that your dream car? <laughs> because I just feel like I could drive it for the next 15 years and I wouldn't have to replace it for a long time. That's my dream car. I just want a Nissan Maxima. <laughs> I know it's simple, but I'm simple. Like I don't Where need. Where are your kids going to go? Oh, well, they'll move out eventually. <laughs> my dream car is not a van, which is what I need for the amount of children I have. Your dream car is a Nissan sedan. Yeah. So you going, my my dream car is not a van. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Your dream car isn't a van, but it's just, a standard sedan. I don't need anything flashy. I want something that's going to last a long time. Did you know millionaires typically don't drive fancy cars? Well, then you should go Toyota. They maintain their value better. Okay, maybe if I was going to get real fancy, I'd get a Honda Pilot. Okay. I mean, that's fancy. All right. It's <laughs> really fancy to me. <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> No, Listen, I mean, I'm I grew pretty up sure. in a ministry family. I'm yeah. still in ministry. That's my dream car. I, no, I would never, I would never <laughs> get, I would probably get like a Toyota yeah. Highlander or like <laughs> right. a Tacoma. Right. Like that's as fancy as I can go. I wouldn't even be or able I'd to get buy. get like an old car. Right. I wouldn't even be able to buy like a Dodge Ram or anything because I would feel so, I would just feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I have problems. We don't need to assess them all right now. Okay. Anyway, that's it for, for this week, you guys. You can um, hit us up at patreon.com slash sheologians. For six bucks a month, you can get access to our early release episodes, be a part of our book club, and other Patreon-only content. You can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475 if you love us, like, and share the episode. And I hope that you have a fantastic week. Bye. See ya. Yeah.